Morning, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church. I'm super excited that you're here. We are one week removed from our one-year anniversary celebration. People ask me, hey, what was your favorite thing about the one year? And it, it was just this, that all of us got to be in the same room, all of us at Downtown Harbor Church, kind of for the first time, which was awesome. If you missed it, it was a really cool time. You can catch up online, though, and check it out. But it was kind of because we strategically started with two services here at Downtown Harbor so our volunteers could have the opportunity to attend church at our 9 a.m. hour. The church planners told us we were nuts, but we did it anyway, and it just paid off in exponential ways. We're so excited um, about what's going on here at DHC. So we're wrapping up this three-week series called Love Your Neighbor, and this three-week series, Love Your Neighbor, has been really all about our DNA here. It's been about the core of Downtown Harbor Church, who we are and why we do what we do, and what did Jesus really say, and why, furthermore, has the local church kind of turned away from the words of Jesus? It almost looks like it's the opposite of what he told us to do. But before we dive in, I'll just tell you a quick story about my week, because I get to travel quite a bit, and I go back and forth. In fact, I was on both coasts this week. I had some speaking engagements and talking to leaders all around, and it was just a really cool week that I was thinking about this in DHC and all the moments that we've had together. So I was landing in Denver um, on probably like Thursday, or I think it was maybe Wednesday night, and we get about 1,000 feet from the runway, and they back flight attendants are strapped in, we're ready to go. We get about 1,000 feet from the runway, and all of a sudden, we steep incline back the opposite direction, and they turn the engines back on. She comes back on, the captain does, and she goes, um, well, folks, sorry about that. I'm glad I saw that because there was a plane right in our way, so I'm glad we got out of the way. And I was like, oh, goodness, goodness, here we go. And then, so then I'm flying from Denver to Detroit the next day, and there is a guy who is there, and he just, like 10 minutes into the flight, just like passes out. Like he's hanging over his chair, like right into the aisle. So people are screaming, flight attendant, flight attendant. So I'm going, oh, two days in a row. How is this possible? So, like, sure enough, they revive the guy, and the doctors, you know, they do the all-call for the doctors to come out and ch check him out or whatever, and they say, he's okay, passes out again, right? They do the same thing. The flight attendants have to come back. They then lay him down. They take him, like, next to the cockpit and, like, lay him down there with pillows and blankets. He's there the rest of the flight, walks, and I'm going, it, uh, I had to, like, ask the Lord for forgiveness for this one. I'm going, please, I hope we don't get diverted. Like, I mean, this guy's, you know, dying or whatever, but so he's sitting there. And he's like laying down there right in front of first class. Or, and, and, and so like he gets back up as we're descending into Detroit. He's dripping with sweat at this point. And I'm going, this is not good. So the guy sits back down, I kid you not, and pukes everywhere. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. I got to get off this plane. I don't even know what's going on. I'm like, this is where loving your neighbor comes into effect, right? This is in these circumstances in our life. Like we just got to remember the words of this guy right here, Jesus. Because he had a lot to say about it. But that was the craziest kind of flights that I've been on in a while. But the cool thing is, is we've been talking a lot about Jesus. This guy who we believe is who he said that he was. And he claimed to be the ever alive living son of God who predicted his own death and resurrection. And said, you want to know who God really is? Look at me and look at my life. And he said for us to do something. He goes, you know, you want to love God? Go ahead and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then in return, go after that and go love your neighbor as yourself. And that's so important because that's everything. He said, this is the most important thing that you can do. This is the most important commandment. And then a guy named Paul came after that and he wrote some letters to some of the early churches, the earliest followers of Jesus back long, long ago. And he wrote some letters to them. And this is one of the things he said in one of those letters. In the letter of Galatians, it said, the only thing that counts is faith. Saying yes, that Jesus is who he said that he is. And then expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
So before we start, I have a question. I'm going to put a phrase up on the screen, and I just want to know if anybody's ever been to one of these. And you can tell me if you have, you know, not show of hands when I can do that, but just in your heart, kind of maybe you can resonate with this. You ever been to a country club? Okay, I, I've been to one a couple of times, like for a couple of like, you know, high school graduation parties or somebody invited me to dinner. I'm not a member of a country club. I don't know if anybody is a member of a country club. But I started to think about this exact thing. And I started to think about what country clubs are. And I started to think about why they exist. Because they pretty much exist for an exclusive group of people who get to go here and claim that they are a part of this club together. You may have seen people who do this, or maybe you're a part of one, or you know somebody who's a part of one, or somebody you know like has a yacht and they're a part of a country club. Like, I'd like to know someone who's a part of a country club to get in. But here's, here's just a couple of things that we said are some characteristics or traits of what goes on at a country club. So here's the first one. The staff lives to serve you, Right? They live to serve your every need, whether you're golfing or you're eating or you're drinking. They're there to make sure that you have every single thing you need at your disposal. They're there to make sure that your experience is the best that it can be. Here's another one. You generally have to pay to be a member, handily. Like, it costs a lot to be a part of a country club. It costs a lot to be a part of it. And then lastly, everyone, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you go to country clubs, everybody kind of looks the same. Did you know that? Like, you see, like, people who kind of just all look similar. And I'm not talking, like, their facial features, but the way they dress, maybe their race, they're all pretty much the same. You know, men with hats. Like, I don't know why, like, people wear hats at country clubs, but they do. Women with feathers, like, feather, you know, I don't know why, but they're, like, boas and things. And anyway, they kind of look the same. Why I wanted to talk about country clubs and ask you if you've ever been to one, because I think this. I think, unfortunately, the local church of today is much turning in to a country club. And I think the local church of today, the things that I just said on this, generally looks like a country club, where to come in and be a part of us, you have to be a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to do a certain thing. And if you don't say yes to any of those things or all of those things, then we can't have you come in. Don't miss this. This is not all our welcome here, come sit in a seat. All our welcome to do that. But when someone wants to engage, someone wants to even go a little bit deeper, someone wants to build relationships, someone wants to volunteer, someone wants to be a part of an event, generally speaking, the local church of today will stiff-arm people who don't exactly believe what they want you to believe. We call that conditional acceptance. This idea that, hey, we will accept you if you do a couple of things. We think it says, it's like this. You can come in here if you agree to be like us. And I want you to understand this so clearly because this is our, one of our defining principles at Downtown Harbor Church. Because so often churches will say, yes, come sit and be a part of us. But then when they want to engage, when someone wants to engage, there's all of those things they have to go through to get to be a part of the local church. So at Downtown Harbor Church, we want to say something. This is just in the core of our DNA so clearly. You don't have to be like us to join us. And we mean this. It's the first time in my adult life that I've actually felt this happen, where people are welcome to come in just as they are, and they're welcome to engage right where they are. This is why this is so clear to understand this, especially those of you who might be new at Downtown Harbor Church, or those of you who might be here for the first time, or even people who've been coming since day one. This is so important to understand. This is why we do not have church membership. Churches, a lot of them, have created membership programs. I don't like a country club. 
where you have to come in, take a class, maybe there are multiple classes for multiple weeks, sign up, say, yes, I believe this, yes, I believe this, yes, I believe this, yes, I will give this, and then sign the box, and then they're in, and then you can engage, and then you can volunteer, and then you can be a part of what we're doing. This is not the culture of downtown Harbor Church. You don't have to be like us to join us, and that's the most important thing to understand about our DNA, right? Because I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that we are never scared of. This is important to zone in with. We are never scared of something that I'm going to put on the screen in just a second. And let me tell you why we're never going to be scared of it. It's very important to understand why we're never going to be scared of this, because Jesus wasn't scared of it either. Here it is. It's guilt by association, meaning you will see us engage with people who are not like us, who may not be exactly like the, you know, cookout, like, you know, cookie cutter Christian that we've known throughout our life. You're going to see us engage with different kinds of people. If you know anything about me, just and some of you don't, some of you are new and you're trying to figure out who's the guy with the flamingos, like that's me. And I'm really into like the patterned floral wear recently. I don't know if you can tell this. I'm really into it, like barbecue shirts, right? So, but here's the deal. With, with me in my life, I have the most random, eclectic group of friends that you will ever meet, and I love it. People that I engage with and that are friends in my life are people that you would never expect that I would necessarily hang out with. I have a guy who's my friend who lives back home in Michigan. He is a guy who's like a 68-year-old government teacher. He was my government teacher in high school. I still keep up with him. There's a guy who was my world history teacher. The guy's 82. His name's Ed. And I just get to talk to Ed a lot. I don't really do a lot of talking. He kind of talks my ear off. But I'm just like, but here's the deal. Like He talks about it relatives that are sick and people in California. I just put the phone on speaker. Anyway, I'm never going to be scared of guilt by association, people who aren't like me. And downtown Harbor Church is never going to be scared by guilt by association either, people who aren't like us. That's why everyone's welcome to come in right where they're at. And we take our lead directly from Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 9, it says this, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Tax collectors in the ancient time that the scripture was written were considered to be the most deplorable, dishonest, ripping people off people that had ever existed. And Jesus is having dinner with these guys. And then, but then when the Pharisees, now if you don't know that word, I'm going to explain it to you what it is. The Pharisees were the religious institution, the scholars of the time. They were the people always coming after Jesus because he was trying to change things. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Let's fast forward. Let's change that word to church just for a second and think about that. You ever felt like that with someone that you know? Maybe your experience with Christianity and someone said, hey, why are you hanging out with that person? Why do you associate with them? Why do you eat with such scum? I love Jesus' reply because it was so profound yet so simple. He said this, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And if I can put the question that the Pharisees were asking him into modern day language, I just want the opportunity to do that because I think they were asking him this very clear question. This is the question I think they were asking him. Jesus, hey, Zone in. I know you're saying you are who you, know, who you are, but l- l- look at me. Are you, by being with these people, 
accepting sin. Sin, meaning the things that are wrong that go against God. Are you accepting sin by eating with these people? I think that's what they were asking. And if I were Jesus, which I'm not, but I bet he would reply with something like this. Are you nuts? Are you out of your mind? Sin will ultimately kill me. I'm going to die because of sin. And I'm going to have to go to make humanity right with God again. And sin in your life, if you get into that, let me tell you what it will do. It will ruin your life. Your life will not be what it could be. And I believe Jesus knew that. He go, what are you guys crazy? Sin will ultimately kill me. Sin will take me from this world so that you can be made right with God should you believe it. I'm, how am I ever going to make headway with someone or teach someone about God or be in relationship with someone if I can't even have a meal with them? How, how, how does the backwards thinking of today's local church think that we are going to reach people with the message of Jesus with locks on our door, with a country club mentality? It can't be done. It doesn't work. It's not working. Therefore, we have to change things. That's why at Downtown Harbor Church, we said, you don't have to be like us to join us really for the first time ever. You can engage and come just as you are. Because when you use the principle of guilt by association, here's what you're really doing. You're really making a judgment of other people. When you use the principle, when you apply the principle of guilt by association, I'm not going to engage with you. You can't engage with us because you're different. You can't engage with us because you have this going on in your life. You can't engage with us because of this principle over here. Whatever that is, there's so many of them. When you apply the principle of guilt by association, you're really making a judgment of other people. Well, when we make a judgment of other people, we have a problem. Because we always have a problem, don't we? Especially when it comes to things that are wrong. Because just as Jesus sat and ate with these tax collectors and disreputable sinners, right? He also had something to say about making a judgment against others. And it was so clear. And I want everybody to just zone in and understand how crystal clear this guy made this for us. This is what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 7, Hey, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Wait a second. If I judge other people, I'm going to be judged the same way that I judge others? That's not good. And there's judgments going on all the time, right? Because we're all, we're just human beings, so we just generally judge other people. It just happens. Like if you're at a restaurant and you see something going down with a couple, you're looking. You know you are, because I know I am, right? But we got to keep it real. Like you're looking at people's clothes and you're going, I'm, you're, we're constantly making judgments. But Jesus said, hey, don't judge others, and you will not be judged. You'll be judged by the same standards that you judge other people. And then he goes on, and why? This is so, so big. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And then he says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And then he uses a word that is, oh my, so powerful, to describe people who do this. He uses a word that basically means you are not who you say you are. He calls them hypocrites. He said, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know what this means? Here's what this means. Don't judge other people. It's difficult. 
Because we want, somewhere along the way this happened, and I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the way, Christians or people who were a part of the Jesus movement or people who were engaging in the local church, we've kind of had this mentality that it is our job to fix other people. Our job is just to love them as Jesus called them to love or called us to love and then allow God to work in and through their life. That's it, right? First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know who got this right? Let me tell you who got this right. Oh, it's big. Michael Jackson. Because the man in the mirror, right? You remember the song? Like, he got it right. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow, Michael Jackson got this right. I'm talking to the man in the mirror, right? Boy, that was brutal. I'll never do that again. All right. Here's the deal. We got to get this right. Because what the local church has said, this is what we've said. We've said, if you have a speck in your eye, you can't be a part of us. And you've seen this. That's why you're here. That's why you made your way to downtown Harbor Church. And I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had with people throughout my time of starting DHC who are disenfranchised, burnout people who've tried church and they say, you know what? I just felt judged. I just felt like they didn't want me because I wasn't just like them. They couldn't accept that I had this going on in my life, or this was my history, or I want to do this with my future. So they've judged me, and now I can't be a part of anything. And I've said to people over and over again, come be a part of us. Because the truth is, if I were being honest and showing all my cards, I felt the exact same way. And if you have a speck in your eye, you can't be part of us, is someone's mentality or someone's strategy. There's something that comes along with that. And it's this, and I've been saying this a lot, and you're going to hear me say this from time to time. There's a problem with that. There's a problem with this idea that if you have a speck in your eye, you cannot engage with the local church. Here's the problem. You ready for it? Everyone has a speck in their eye. Every single one of us has something going on in our life. And I will tell you this. Every person in this room, if you're not dealing with something today, you will. Give it till noon, okay? It's just the truth. You're, you're, it's, what time is it? Yeah, we're clo- oh, it's 11, you know, like 11.07. Give it an hour, 47, whatever, okay? You have something going on in your life. Every single one of us do. Call it a sin issue. Call it a disobeying thing. Call it a problem. Call it a conflict. You call it whatever you want. You all have something going on in your life, and I do too. And my stuff is different than your stuff. And your stuff is different than your stuff. And what we've said as the local church is because if you got stuff, you can't come be a part of what we're doing. But there's a problem with that because everybody's got stuff. Some of it you just can't see. Some of it you just don't know that it exists. But everyone has a speck in their eye. Those who are already included in church and those those who are excluded from the local church. But Jesus said something. Because this is a problem, and this goes against Jesus' commands, before Jesus ascended into heaven, this place that is you know, so big that we can't even grasp or imagine it, as he resurrected and appeared and told people things about what they should do, Jesus told his disciples, his followers, he gave them some last instructions, and I want to read them to you, because this is in direct contrast with his instructions. And he said this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? I am God. I am in charge. And I'm going to leave you with some very clear instructions. And this is what he said. Therefore, go and make disciples 
followers of this movement. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and then be sure of this. And then he's just so, so powerful. He goes, and then be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go tell people about this. Go tell people about me so they can know who God really is. You know what this is? This is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then going and loving your neighbor as yourself. These are the new followers, the new disciples of this movement. Who would not want to be a part of that? And why, oh why, and I have to tell you all something in this room. It, comp- it has broken me, just my heart in half, what I've seen, and this is why we had to start Downtown Harbor Church, because this was his command. This is what he told us to do, and we're stiff-arming people. We can't even let people in to hear this, to be a part of us, to engage. One of the things we say around here is we think that when you get to know God better, a lot of that help happens through relationship and forming relationships with other people and getting that done. And you know what? If we don't allow people to engage, how is that ever going to happen? So this great commission, because that's what we've called this, this great commission is pretty hard to do when the church is a country club with a membership card pretty hard. How are we going to get this done if we've created the local church to be a country club with a membership card? That's why wherever you are, wherever you're at, I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. You are welcome to come and engage at Downtown Harbor Church so that for the first time, some of us can have a fighting shot at a relationship with God. Because I believe this, If the message of Jesus is for everyone, the local church should refuse no one. If the message of Jesus is for every person on planet Earth, people here, people across the globe, people in Sioux City, Iowa, I don't know why I say that city all the time, I just think it's a funny name, right? It should refuse no one. So um, as I close, I want to tell you a quick story. Caitlin and I, my wife, if you've met her, you know her. She's downstairs working with preschoolers right now. Um, if you haven't, say hi if you want to. Um, if not, no problem. Um, but, uh, but here's the deal. So we went down to one car recently. We were a two-car family for a long time. And um, we just went down to one car because we uh, were moving next year, and we were paying for a parking spot and insurance. And what we found was we weren't driving a lot. And so when we had the discussion to go down to one car... Caitlin said to me, she goes, well, what are you going to do to get to downtown Harbor Church in the morning? Because she doesn't come as early as I do. I get here around 6.30. And I said, well, just Uber. It's only like my Uber this morning was like eight bucks. I mean, how can you beat Uber, right? It's just the best. So I Ubered here this morning. And um, when I knew that I was going to start doing this on Sundays, um, there's an Uber driver I use locally. And um, she picks me up. And so every Sunday morning, she's there. And we just turn on our phones. And it's so funny. This morning, somebody else got me. I had to cancel it real quick. And she was mad at me. And it was just a funny scene. Anyway. Um, so she said, we always on the way to church, and she drops me off, we talk about the message. She says, what are you talking about today? She's an old, like, Jewish heritage woman from New York. She's so funny. So she says to me, what are you talking about today? I told her. I said, this is the message, and I gave her the bottom line. I said, if the message of Jesus is for everyone, the local church should refuse no one. She goes, wow, that's good. She goes, you know, I invited a friend who lives in my building to come to church recently, an older guy. I said, did he go? She said, yeah. I said, well, did he come here, downtown Harbor? And she goes, no, he came with me. And I said, "Uh, what did he think? And he goes, well, she said to me, she goes, 
I was really sad. He said he'd never go back. I said, why? He said he felt judged. He felt unwelcomed. He felt like he couldn't engage. And I just sit back constantly, constantly and I go, what have we come to? Why have we done this? If the message of Jesus is for everyone, then the local church should refuse no one. How is someone going to engage and learn about God and the scriptures if we stiff arm them on the way in the door? So this is part of our DNA at Downtown Harbor Church, which is why we wanted to talk about it for these three weeks as we've talked about loving your neighbor. I'm just going to give you an aside real quick. I had some conviction moments myself. If you, don't, if you want to know what conviction means, most of you know, but that means that you need to change something in your life. Boy, was I hot at Delta about two weeks ago because they lost my bag. I called them up, and I spoke to a rep on the phone. And after I got off, Caitlin looked at me. She was driving. She looked at me, and she goes, you need to go back and listen to your message. I said, I probably do. So I did. <laughs> I wish I could have got her back on the phone to apologize. But here's the deal. We need to think about loving our neighbors in all circumstances, not just people who live next door, even though that's what kind of the word neighbor means in our culture. We need to show grace and embrace people all around us. Why? Because Jesus first loved us, and we need to go and love other people. Those people are your coworkers who got something that you deserved. Those people are your family members who you're estranged from because they upset you or you upset them years ago. Those people are people in your life who have wronged you severely. But there might come a time when they come back. That's at the core of who Jesus is. That's at the core of this love your neighbor as yourself movement. My goodness, let's start getting it right, starting right here at this museum where we meet every single Sunday. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I am so thankful for who you are and what you do in each of our lives. With what you have to say to us, it is challenging, it is difficult, but we know that you don't call us to do things that are easy. You call us to do things that are going to change our own life and our community for the better. So Jesus, I pray that you would empower us. And God, I know that you can hear us in some crazy way that we don't even understand, but us here at Downtown Harbor Church, we pray that you would help us to do this to the best of our ability, that you would help us to seek after you with all that we do so that we could love other people because that's at the core of your movement and we embrace it and want to be a part of it. And we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.